Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor Isaac Roman. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To hear your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. In the doing, not in the hearing, not in the, not even in the crying, not even in the moving of a, of a, of a worship service, but in the doing, he'll be blessed. And that's, the, that's that law of reciprocity, right? Once we do something, then God will bless us in the doing. So the grounds of, the, of comparison, let me read this to you. The grounds of comparison in these verses is obvious. It is the fact that we do not retain a distinct impression of ourselves after we looked in the mirror. While actually looking in the mirror, we see all of our features and can trace them distinctly when we turn away. The image and the impression both vanish. When looking in the mirror, we can see all the defects and the blemishes of our person. If there's a scar, a deformity, a feature of ugliness, none of us have a feature of ugliness in here, right? Okay, good job. Someone's listening. It is distinctly before the mind, but when we turn away, that is out of sight, out of mind. When unseen, it gives no uneasiness. And even if capable of correction, we take no pains to remove it. So when we hear the word of God, it is like a mirror held up before us and per, uh, in the perfect precepts of the law and the perfect requirements of the gospel, we see our own shortcomings and defects and perhaps think that we will correct them. In moments of conviction, there's a lot of conviction that happens in, in this church. Again, I said we, we preach the whole gospel. And so as a message is coming forward in, 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 in this house, there may be times where you're sitting in your seat and you're thinking, my goodness, I got to get this right. How many of us? Yes, me too. And so sometimes we think about it and we almost justify it as we've done it, but we've not changed anything. And so in a moment where we say we feel bad or we even feel guilty about it, we now justify it in our conscience that we, we're, we're good. Because I feel bad, then, then that means that there's something going on there, but we're not actively changing our behavior so we turn immediately away and forget it all if however we are doers of the word we should endeavor to remove all of those defects and blemishes in our moral character and bring our whole souls into conformity with what the law and the gospel require so we're talking about initiative we're talking about putting into action the things that need to get done I found this illustration about Thomas Edison, and Thomas Edison was being interviewed, and uh, Thomas Edison, uh, um, he was talking to the governor of North Carolina, and the governor complimented him on his inventive genius. I am not a great inventor, said Edison, but you have a thousand uh, patents to your credit, haven't you? Asked the governor. Yes, but about the only invention I can really claim as absolutely original is the phonograph, was the reply. Why? I'm afraid I don't understand what you mean, said the governor. Well, explained Edison, I guess I'm awfully good. I'm, a, I'm an awfully good sponge. I absorb ideas from every source I can and put them into practical use. Then I improve them until they become of some value. The, the ideas which I use are mostly the ideas of other people 
who don't develop them themselves. What we're talking about here, and, and I was thinking about, I was thinking about a lot of the sermons that I preach from this pulpit, and I was thinking about really a lot of the conversations that I have with disciples and with, with other people. And I, I just believe that the gospel is very practical. I, I believe that there is a there is a thing to the deeper things of God and, and understanding theology and, and I and, and I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer that you should have your doctrine right. But when it comes down to it, it's just the practicality of the gospel that really changes our lives, that really changes the environments, our workplace, our families. And so it's just taking these things and implementing them and doing them, putting action to them. That changes everything. I was thinking about a story in, in the Bible, and there's plenty of stories of actionable faith. I was thinking about a, a message that uh, Rob Santiago preached. He preached a message on actionable faith, and that's always that, that term has always stayed with me. And so as I was looking at, at different stories in the Bible, different characters in the Bible, I thought about Zacchaeus. All of us know about Zacchaeus, right? I was thinking about even the nursery rhyme, or not the nursery rhyme, but the Sunday school song. I, I won't sing it for you. Um, you guys, I don't want you guys to laugh at me. Um, but I was thinking, I, I thought, I found it kind of curious because Zacchaeus, that song, it, it goes, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee young, little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord came passing by, he looked up in the tree and told him, you know, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I can do the hand, the hand gestures if you want to, but I won't. But I thought that it was curious that, that they left off the, the, the second part that really put that faith into action. And so let's, let's read this story. And, and, and I want to I look at Zacchaeus as a story of initiative. That's what I want to do. I want to look at Zacchaeus as a story of initiative. And it's in Luke 19, 1 through 10. And we're going we're gonna to read it all the way through. And then we're going to talk about it. Um, I, I believe that we could pull out some things that could help each and every one of us in this story. So Luke 19.1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6 says, So he came down at once. When did he come down? At once. And welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. I, I thought that was curious. We'll get to that. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So listen to this. When we have placed our faith in Jesus, how many of us have placed our faith in Jesus? Amen. Amen. When we've placed our faith in Jesus, we no longer are our own. It is not even correct for a believer to say, my future, my life, my plans, my career, my family, so on and so forth. 
Rather, a believer, each and every one of us should say, now I belong to the Lord, and I want to do what he wants me to do. What happens is, and, and I, I've, I've experienced this in my own life, is when some of us are down and out sometimes, and, and, uh, and God comes into our lives and changes everything miraculously. And the further we come away from that epicenter or that point, the more entitled we become. The more we start to think that we deserve all the blessings of God and, and more and, and, and all these different things. And if God has blessed you, amen, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But we, we, we start to take possession and hold on very tightly the things that God puts in our, in, in our lives. Where God entrusts us with things so that we could be a blessing to other people and live our lives with our hands open instead of tight and closed. We should be able to say, now I belong to the Lord and I want to do what he wants me to do with whatever it is that he's given me. So a couple of things that as I want to, I want to pull out of this story with Zacchaeus. And, and the first thing is this, is that Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus made no excuses. I think that sometimes we can make some excuses about why we can't do something, why we can't get somewhere, why we are not able to do something. And I think that this is something that cripples a lot of us as Christians and really in our own development, in our own ministry expression, um, and really fulfilling what God has for each and every one of us. I was reading something about the psychology of excuses, and, and I, I won't bore you with that, but, but we all have excuses. So listen to this. Excuses are usually bad habits in disguise. Excuses are a common human method of shifting blame and keeping the self-image intact when, or intact when faced with negative feedback. There are strong emotional pressures that motivate our excuse making. Responsibility, taking accountability, taking ownership is the key in reducing the need for excuses. The Bible says that he was short and could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed. I think about this. I think about when the presence of God comes into a, to this place. Worship starts. And, um, and maybe some of us are still in the, in the cafe area and, and uh, not necessarily interested in, in being in the presence of, of, of the Lord, being in the presence of God and, and treating it as casual. Thank you. Zacchaeus made no excuse. So Zacchaeus was a, a very dignified, wealthy man. And we know in the, in the culture, and someone just recently was talking about this from, from the pulpit, but we know that in this culture, for, for a man like that to run, that he had to gird up his loins and, and, and tie it up, and, he, and his legs would be exposed. It was very undignified. And what happened was when he realized that, this, that God incarnate was coming through, he did everything that he could to be in his presence. It says that he ran not only did he run, not only did he run, but he climbed. He put in some work to be in the presence of God. And it was in that moment that he that he climbed and, and he ran and he did all these things that God looked at him. And from that moment his life was changed. So listen to this. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. How many of us? If we want to go golfing, we want to go fishing, we want to go, 
Whatever it is that we want to do, we got, we'll find a way, right? Make it work in the budget or something, right? Uh, so I think about the marriage retreat that, that just passed. How many of us went to the marriage retreat? Awesome time, right? Awesome time. Yeah, all right. And so some of, some of us missed out on an opportunity to enrich your marriage. Really, really missed out on an opportunity to enrich your marriage. Um, if you really wanted to do something, you'd find, a way to, you'd find a way to do it. And listen to this. If you don't want to, you'll find an excuse. And that's what it comes down to. We either, we either want to do this thing or we, or we don't, right? It's, it's that simple. And so Zacchaeus made no excuses. He overcame whatever obstacles were there, and he just made it happen. The second thing that Zacchaeus did was Zacchaeus responded. Zacchaeus responded. So the Bible says that, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Listen to this. Instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm going to say that one more time. Instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. And delayed obedience is disobedience. I found it curious that, that um, in, in the scripture here, Jesus said to him that salvation has come to his house because this man too is a son of Abraham. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that he's saying there. But one of the things that I thought was, was very interesting is that in Genesis 17, 23, it says that on that very day, Abraham did as God told him to do. Now, that sounds pretty simple, right? How many of us would say, you know, God told me to do something and I'm, I'm going to do it, right? Well, there's, there's, there's no context to that. We don't know what he did immediately. Maybe some of us do. God told Abraham to take his whole household and circumcise them. And on that very day that God told Abraham to do that, Abraham went and did that. Oswald Chambers said, that, said this about Abraham. He said that the life of Abraham is an illustration of two things of an unreserved surrender to God and of God's complete possession of a child of his for his own highest end. And so Zacchaeus responded to what God was speaking to him, what God told him to do. Zacchaeus responded. And I think that some of us could maybe respond a little bit quicker when God speaks to us. How many of us, how many of us could, could say that? That's right. So it says that Zacchaeus made no excuses. Zacchaeus responded. And the last thing is this, is that Zacchaeus took initiative. Say initiative. So listen to this. He's, Zacchaeus was compelled by deep conviction and took initiative to make things right. This is the reformation that I was talking about. It's a clear, tangible, actionable repentance and obedience to the Holy Spirit. It says this. It says that Zacchaeus told Jesus, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And this is, this is, this is, how, we put, this is how we connect those dots. In James 2.26, and I'm, I'm finishing up here. Um, we could have Omar come, come up. 
uh, if he's around. But this is how we this is how we connect these dots here. Omar. James two twenty six says this: For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And so, really, what 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 we're saying here is that in a in a moment in a place like this, where we could feel good about our faith, we could sing these songs. I was thinking about the songs that we were singing: "Faithful, you are, and faithful forever you'll be." And that makes us feel really good, right? I mean, right? All your promises are yes and amen. I mean, that makes us feel really, really good. But are we putting that into action with our finances, with our, with our jobs, with the decisions that we're making? Are we, are we really committed? Are we really saying, God, I believe all these things that we're saying. Again, it's really easy to do those things in an environment like this where you have great musicians, you have anointed singers and, and, and all these different things. But James tells us that as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from works is dead. And so I'd ask you, what, what are you doing? Is your life reflecting truly a transformed, a reformed heart and a mind? Are you taking the words that are spoken over the pulpit Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, the conversations that you have with, with those that you know, are you taking away from those conversations and putting into action those things that God's speaking to you? I think even tonight, in, in, in this moment of worship, I believe that God was speaking to some of us. And I really just want to ask, what are you going to do with that? Like, how, how long are we going to wait on the sideline or just wait for something to happen or wait for, for God to, to move that mountain out of our way or to, to do whatever it is, all these, all these cliches that we like to throw around and instead just get up and go and do something. Take initiative. Whatever it is, God's told you to, I think some of, some of us, that, I don't think I know this, there's, there's some in this, in, in this room that God has, has told to start a life group, start, start a Bible study. And maybe you're just waiting for Pastor Omar or Sister Letty or Pastor David or Pastor Rudy or someone to kind of figure that out for you. Or maybe you're just waiting for that push or, or whatever it is. But I want to tell you tonight that we should take initiative. That it's, it's when we respond that the blessing and the anointing and the power of God will come on your life. I see so often that there's men and women, mighty men and women of God just going through the motions. And I would say this, I would say this selfishly, is that we need you. We need your ministry. We need your anointing to be released in the body. It makes us whole. It makes us healthy. Martin Luther, Martin Luther once said this. He said that a true believer will crucify or put to death the question why. Everyone wants to know why. I think about this with my kids. Every time I say something, it's, it's why. Why do I got to do that? Why are we doing it like that? There's always this question. I think that we do that a lot with God too. Why are you asking me to do that? Why do I need to do that? But a true believer will crucify or put to death that question. And he will simply obey without questioning. Simple obedience. Immediate obedience. 
Martin Luther goes on to say, and I refuse to be one of those people who, unless I see miraculous signs and wonders, will never believe. I will obey without questioning. And I think that, that should be all of, our, all of our conclusion, is that we'll obey without question. We will act. We will respond. Whatever it is that God's telling us in a moment, that we'll put action to it. We'll take initiative. We'll move out. We'll step out. I believe that there's prophets of God in this place that don't speak out. And it's hurting the church. It's hurting your brothers and sisters. I believe that there's those that walk in the, in the, in the gift of healing. That you've not released that. You've not done it. You've not stepped out. And I just believe that, that God wants us to, God really wants to provoke us tonight. And God really wants us, maybe some of you that are sitting on the sideline to, to jump in the game, get in the game. We need you. We need you. We need you. So if you would bow your head in reverence to God, we're, I want to pray for a few different things tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.